welcome to the Mash Startup Podcast. Um, this is a very special um, version of the podcast where I've had to invite a very special friend and amazing content creator um, to really be the sort of person that can have an honest conversation with me um, versus all the conversations I've had with others. Um, this is a very Inception-like episode. It is my podcast, but this is an interview of me. So if you're confused, just keep listening. craziest thing to for people to just assume oh no this person's from here because they speak this way or they do that mm. I think it's like some of the most brilliant and incredible people come from Soweto they come from the Gazi, they come from like the worst of places um, and like those environments are the breeding ground for such incredible incredible people the way they shape us, the way they change us, the way they build us, the way they break us, mm. all of it comes together to really build people and, and, and shape people in different ways to you know much more comfortable environments. Yeah. And while entrepreneurship is not something new, especially in the township where everyone is an entrepreneur, just that you don't have the label entrepreneur, um, you have to make ways, you have to have more than one income stream to survive, you know. Um, there will be a puzzle shop, there will be a this in the yard, you know, you'll be having back rooms in the back, your mom will be dabbling in Tupperware and doing this and doing that. Um, when did you realize that you needed to do more than just 9 to 5 or more than just go to school? Very early on, I mean, I remember there was a day, I think it was in grade 6, 5, 6, so I, I, I used to go to boarding school, right? Mm-hmm. And so during the holiday sometime, my mom and I went to a supermarket and like, you know, it was like a, a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So usually buying one sweet or whatever. But I convinced her to buy me like a pack, right? So it was a packet of sour worms. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna sell this. And I tried it for one day. I sold these sweets and the sweets probably cost like 30 rand. At the end of the day, I was on like 10 rand because I gave away most of it. And <laughs> you ate most as well. And, and I think this is where my life as a social entrepreneur began. <laughs> there was, look, there was money that came in. But it's just like, you were trying to fill a need as well. I was also trying to fill a need. And For those like, who never tasted sour words. Exactly. It's sour words. <laughs> what? Everyone's busy. Capberry, chippies. I was like, nah. So that's that's where my life as a social entrepreneur began. But jokes aside, I think um, entrepreneurship is ingrained in black people. Yeah. 
as a people, we are entrepreneurial in everything, mm. especially with women. I think um, if you think about most households that are you know headed by women, and I think all households are headed by women, um, you realize like the intense investment in making sure that everyone's need is met, mm. right? It doesn't matter how much they're earning, it doesn't matter how much they have to struggle, how much they have to fight, but somehow women make it happen. Mm. And like, I grew up with five women around me and like, that's it. No father figure, nothing, none of that. And that, that need to constantly make it work, regardless, mm. that shapes me. Like that is very, very like key to who I am, is seeing what women will do to make sure that there's a plate of food at the end of the day. There's you know enough money for you to go to boarding school, but at home we're living in a room, mm. right? And when I think back at stuff like that, it's like I used to go to boarding school in Mahalisburg, and when you're in Mahalisburg, you get to forget that the situation at home is completely different. Yeah. You're living in a room, right? And in that room is your whole house, mm. the kitchen, the dining room, the living room, the, living the bedroom. Mm. You come back and to that situation. So constantly having that contrast yeah. in experience, like that was like super important for me. Mm. Having that contrast of going to like to to Mahalisburg with richer kids, with kids that you know whose parents had three homes and a holiday, and Pick they were being picked up. Cars. I was taking the bus. After I took the bus, I got to Westgate and I took two taxis Taxi. to get home. And this is when I'm like, grade five, six, right? No. I remember waking up after I fell asleep in the in the taxi. Fell asleep in the taxi and like I was supposed to get off in Deep Roof. I got up, got off in Bar. Then I had to walk back. How old were you at the street? I was like grade six. I had to walk back. These are the life lessons that, like, no one talks about. It's like, you know, the contrasting experiences of where you come from, mm. where you get educated, where you work, and then what you actually care about. Mm. And all of that comes together to make something of you that you constantly need to try and evolve. So, yeah, I think that that answers the question. So then you move on. You obviously go to primary, go to high school, then you go to varsity. Mm. And even in varsity, you were an entrepreneur. Tell us about all your entrepreneurial endeavors, including your magazine, the Gata shop that you owned. Um, the <laughs> Let's go back like to like, so, all these things that you started. I remember, I actually feel like it started in high school. Mm. In high school, I think there was matric where um, I started to play with different things, right? So, for example, coming up with different ideas of how the senior students should engage the new students, right? Mm -hmm. So came up with this thing called the Big Brother, Big Sister program where each matriculant would basically um, mentor mm -hmm. a grade 8 student. Now, this is a flip of the what everyone was used to, which is the first thing that happens to grade 8s when they get to high school is getting bullied, getting you know, chastised, getting yeah, the induction, the induction of violence and like toughness versus, oh no, the first thing we're gonna do to you when you get to varsity or when you get to high school is we're gonna nurture you, mm -hmm. we're gonna tell you about our experience, we're gonna share how we went through high school, 
it was a flip of things. Did it work? I'm not sure. <laughs> but also, <I laughs> but think in essence, like the, the social entrepreneurship, the, the social entrepreneur in you saw that we needed something oh, yeah. like this and to call each other and to go each other. Because at the end of the day, how many kids are being bullied in school? Yeah. How many kids are going through like depression and anxiety just from th- the thought of going to school? I think you grew up in a situation where all you see is problems. Mm. You can either be the sort of per- person that looks at those problems to complain, looks at those problems to learn, looks at those problems to challenge them and build solutions, or looks at those problems to capitalize on them, right? And for me, it's like a combination of, I want to learn from from the challenges and, and problems that are in the world so that I can actually challenge them and solve for them, right? So that was just like high school stuff, but further on, um, it was paper share. So PaperShare was an online platform for matriculants to um, download past papers. Really, really cool platform, and this is why I always love Trevor Noah. And it's like the stupidest story, but I remember this is like first year of varsity, I think, or second, yeah, second year of varsity. So I literally just I went to the section of the varsity um, that had the computer science students literally walked around and stalked people for two days until I found someone that would speak to me. I'm like, hey, man, um, I'm trying to build this thing. Do you think it would be difficult? He's like, no. I was like, oh, cool. How much? He was like, 1,500 rand. I was like, 1,500 rand to change the world? Cool. But obviously, this is me just (laughs) thinking that anything I do could change the world. (laughs) And like, cool, I put the money together. He builds it for me, and it's hosted and all of that. And for the first, you know, six months, no one really goes onto the website except for my friends and friends of friends and kids that know the friends of friends. Mm. That's pretty much it. What is PaperShare before we go further? So PaperShare is for downloading past papers for matriculants, right? Mm. So we had, like, all the years, right? So it was, I think it started from 20... I think it was 2009 up until, like, 2013 or something like that. And it had all the past papers for all the subjects. Um, and that just came from a need of, I just came from high school and I never really saw it. Like, when you wanted past papers, you'd have to hustle from someone that knows someone and someone that, it was just like, no, it didn't make sense. And also, when you wanted to use a government website, the user experience was awful. Trying to mine the content made no sense. Why couldn't it just be there? So we combined like visuals and simplicity and trying to make sure that it was a simple experience just to go, okay, I want mass paper three. Um, I just want mass paper three, right? I just want uh, English paper two, right? So very simplified, very straightforward where someone can go, oh, okay, I understand how to use this and it can really help. So it wasn't really growing we run like 30, 50 people looking at the website. And this is like June, July. So in August, September, around there, I like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to inbox all the celebrities. Inboxed all the celebrities. Trevor Noah, DJ Swoo, all those guys, right? I was like, hey, um, I've built this thing. I don't know how to make it. Like, I can't spread it. Can you please share it? probably like inbox about 50 different people and the only person that posted it was Trevor Noah he posted it on Facebook he posted it on Twitter and on that day the website got 50,000 people on it 
Wow. You did not hear my phone ring. So, <laughs> and this is not even like, you know, family or mm. no. He's a random First call, not even. First call was the developer. Hey, um, congratulations on the spike in visits. But if it keeps going, you might crash our service. What? I was like, what? <laughs> Like, number I, I, one. That would be amazing. <laughs> I want to see that. I genuinely wasn't concerned. I was like, of no, you're you. providing a service. <laughs> yeah. You better make sure that thing stays up because mm. it's not my problem. I paid you. You want I paid you your money. We're like the world. you've got your money. We're changing the world. Now the the world is finally cares. You know. And yeah, that was like the highlight of that. Unfortunately, I was too young. Um, I didn't understand the things like monetization. I didn't think understand things like. You need to be able to build a business case and a business model around something. I didn't understand all those different things that came with... Expansion. Yeah, expansion. How do you maintain that 50,000 people constantly? Constantly and consistently are on there. Like, it's not just once in a while. So, all those different things are things that only came later on. You know, they came five years later where now I can look back and go, Oh, um, it should have been zero rated. Vodacom should have, I should have approached Vodacom to make sure that students could um, go onto the website for free, not using data. Creating an app even. Creating an app. Um, making it USSD. Mm. You know, all these different things. They only came later where I was like, oh, wait, if I had known this then, I could possibly have done it better. Mm. And then, I mean, obviously a bunch of other projects in between. And then um, Deep Magazine which I started with a, bunch, with a, with a group of my friends. Um, and again, same, same sort of results, unfortunately. Is Deep like, Magazine is about house music. Okay. <laughs> you need to tell us. Okay. Like, we can't know. So, so Deep Magazine was a, a magazine, online magazine, mm-hmm. about um, deep house and house music in general. Okay, commercial and deep. Hey, I don't even know the difference. <laughs> Problem number one. Let's go. <laughs> I I will tell you now, I don't have a single house music song on my days. phone, on my laptop, nowhere. Right? I don't have a single one. And here you are writing a deep house we, we were. I was a creative director. Wow. Um, Mkita, a friend of mine, she was the, the editor. Timbani was the photography and, and visuals. Uh, we had a fashion director. Wow. Like, it was it was a good team. Like, I won't lie. Simpure was the designer. Yeah. And genuinely, I think that was, like, the best experience. So, yeah, we went... I think we got up to 13 issues. Mm-hmm. And it's still up online somewhere. But, yeah, it was just... An issue. On ISSUU. Mm-hmm. Issue, yeah. So, with that journey, it was, it was a different thing. I mean... It's still digital content, still trying to change the world in some way. And the way we wanted to do it with that was like really going deep into the content, lifestyle, and the culture that was built around house music in South Africa. We were writing about things that people barely cared about, right? And this went deep into people's music, people's technical know-hows. We had a gadget review for different equipment. We had a fashion thing that was very centered around, you know, music. And I'll say, some of the interviews that we did in that magazine right now, 
if they came out, a lot of people would learn so much more. So a deep sense of being conscious of how important content is to try and document the realities or whatever's happening in culture and take that to make something that matters, right? And it mattered to you know, a group of people that cared about it. I mean, on average, I think we were doing about 2,000 people that were reading the magazine, there'd be spikes, like black coffee would spike 30,000 or whatever, and then, you know, Euphonic would spike, or I think it was, uh, see, I don't know all of them. <laughs> this is the creative director, but by yeah. the way. <laughs> Honestly, it was, I think, it was a very interesting experience, and, like, I think that's where... That's where digital content comes in. This is where um, I start to understand and be conscious of who I am. Because everything I wanted to start had a very important thing that, that held it together. And that was like, why are we doing this? Who are we doing this for? What, so- what problem are we solving? And why will it matter to someone? So with Paper Share, it was a very clear thing. I'm writing an exam. I need the resources. I want to be better prepared. Yeah. Paper Share. I'm a house music fanatic that doesn't understand the process of becoming a DJ, the technicalities that it takes, the sort of challenges they face once they've become successful, how they built their careers, um, what events are really worth going to. I go to Deep House. I like sour worms. <laughs> and I'm going to. Get and I'm going to get some from Mesh. So, <laughs> look, I've always built for needs, and it's just been like a thing of. Trying to use the internet to create digital content, to create and curate sometimes digital content that can add value and have a real impact. Okay. And that's filtered through with everything I've done since then. Before we get into like the whys and the hows, I need you to tell us about your gata shop. You own a whole gata, like legit, like a whole container, and you were selling (laughs) gatas. Because so, now, at the end of the day, you were, I mean, dabbling in, like, new age businesses, internet, especially at that time. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are quite old. And at that time, the internet wasn't as big. Content wasn't even a word at that time. Digital content wasn't a word. Well, not really. Like, I mean, like it you're making it sound big. like it was a far failure. It's not. It's it actually... No, not. no, it wasn't far. <laughs> but I'm just like, it was. Because, like, look at where, how far we've three. come. Maybe three, three, four years? Uh, I'm serious, this is wow. three years. I think it was three years. But like, okay. Like, so me and my friend, Timbani, mm-hmm. who I worked with at Deep Mag. Uh, okay, so now we're from the magazine. Yeah, we've gone from the magazine. We're like, ah, man, we can't stop hustling. Because <laughs> now you're a legitimate hustler. Obviously. Because I mean, like, once you're in-house, man, you're like, you're a real hustler. I mean. <laughs> so we take the decision. We know what, we're going to buy a container and... Oh, wow, you bought a container? Yeah, yeah. Okay. we had a container made, we bought the equipment, um, and it's actually a very easy business to start up. Like, the, the financial the costs, we were working side jobs, okay. and he's a photographer, so um, he's doing, he's still doing incredible work. Um, so, we scraped together whatever funds we could, and then we go half-half on everything, right? Okay. So, built the container, bought the machine, at, Honestly, it's actually not an, a, a costly business to start up. What much would you say your capital was? I'd say with everything included, it was about 20000 You're lying. In total. It was definitely about 20000 So here's the thing. 
right? And this is what I learned from this whole experience. It's like that's not that's not what what really what really kills the business. See, when you're still excited and all you have is an idea and you have a concept and you're just like, okay, let's get the space, let's get the container, let's buy the equipment, let's buy the the first batch of stock, let's put it all together, let's make this thing, let's try and market it. That's not the part that kills you. The part of the, the thing that really kills you is when you actually have to do those things. Mm. It's nice when you're thinking about them and when you're actually just buying stuff. You still have the juice. And then, exactly. And then you get inside the store. I remember the first day we were in the store. It was a Sunday. Ah, we put everything in there and then we just like started by giving you know our f- friends and family some, some kotas and there was nothing special about this kota. There was nothing. It was... It was what it was. It was a quarter. It was a bunch of stuff put in together and then you sold it. Yeah. But we had no... You know, you know like wherever you're from, or... wherever you're from, you already, you know there's an institution. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's the quarter place that anchors the whole community. I mean, that's the first where question everybody you ask when you go to a township. <laughs> where's your best quarter place? <laughs> so my thing is like, we didn't care about that. The experience. We are young kids. Bantam, hey, nah, man. We got People will come to us. Why? Yeah. What makes you so special? The product was unremarkable. Mm, the packaging wasn't. Packaging was whatever, right? We started just trying to experiment with different things, changing prices, changing sources, changing ingredients. Also, we had to hire a new person to work for us every week because the people would quit every Friday. They quit every Friday for the first two months. Why? <laughs> people quit on Fridays. I don't know. <laughs> were they getting paid weekly? Yes, they were paying wages. So we were paying wages and we didn't understand that when so- once someone had the money, they, they had the option to not go back. Mm. Mm. I was like... So we didn't understand the, the concept of keeping people in that way. So when you always assume that, oh, people don't have jobs. So once you give someone an opportunity, they're going to, you know, do their best and this and that. So you didn't have a business culture, employee culture? No, we weren't even thinking about that. It's a quarter place. We thought quarter places are just, you know, there's, there's a, you know, when you come from a tech content digital background and you try a, a very traditional business what happens is that arrogance of we are young and we're just gonna run break things and make things happen and it's gonna work it doesn't work when you apply it back into a very traditional business yeah. we were selling quotas with the mentality of some kids that bought an online magazine a digital newspaper that are photographers you're taking that mindset and going you can plug and play it but no we, for example, we didn't have a, a, a cost of, we didn't have a cost breakdown of each and every ingredient in the quarter. We were just like, oh, it doesn't have cheese, it's 10 rand. Why? We weren't thinking about costing. We weren't thinking about when are you supposed to buy the stuff that you really need to replace the stuff that you already have. You know, that sequencing, that the logistical things, the all of that. All connecting those different, with people as well, which is like... Connecting with people, getting feedback. Um, marketing in a very traditional sense. Not that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, no. The people next door don't buy your quarter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about you. And when you think about, like, there's nothing that was ever, like, hurt like that experience. And, like, so... 
I think it was three months in. I just said to Temani, hey man, I actually can't do this. I can't do this. How did, before you got to the point where you told him, I mean, this thought must have lingered on your mind for like a long time and you must have had this conversation so, with yourself internally before you like externalized. What was going through your mind every single day when you had to show up and pitch up at your container, at your business and things are not working? So at the time I'm working like a side job and I'm also going to school at the time. Right? And Napa you're a boss. Napa you uh, you think you are uh, you are yeah, those <laughs> So what 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 I was going through my mind is like, yes, this is dead. Like I I, I have a tendency of killing things in my mind before I kill them in reality. Mm. And understanding that I failed in something, it comes very consciously to me way before the point where I actually have to give up, right? And what happened was with this was exactly the same thing. Two months in, I realized I'm not ca- I'm not keeping up, right? If I'm not if I'm late for school, right, it's probably because I was coming from my side job. If I was not at the container is because I was at school or at the side job and that was killing the container because if the lady didn't come that it means there's no one there you know it was just a lot of different like things and like once you once you put your business as priority number three it's pretty much dead it's dead in the water you just need to admit it to yourself like priority number three is your business I don't know if you care about it that much so, two months in, I'm like, nah, it's not going to work. Like, constantly, every month, what we're doing is we're putting money into the business. Money never comes in, n- never comes out. Like, we were bringing in revenue, but never making profit. And didn't understand why. So, you're basically just funding a business just so that you can... You're literally just bleeding money every month. Yeah. It's bleeding money every month to try and keep something going, making a bet that at some point... It will will actually... Funny thing is, that's how startups work now. (laughs) Startups consistently are making losses on a... And I mean, like, consistently. Netflix doesn't make money on a monthly basis. They lose... They're charging 140 a month. They lose billions a month. And are considered one of the biggest and most successful startups in the world. We're running a quarter shop and doing the same thing. No one called us pioneers. <laughs> you were but I guess it's fine. Anything. It wasn't billions. I mean, like, also, like, <laughs> we were pioneers. You were not like We a, were not. Like, <laughs> pioneer is quite a strange story. We you? were pretenders to yes. the fullest. And so I left that business like three months in. I was like, we had an honest conversation with Tembani. I was like, hey, man. And how did you partner take it? No, he's my brother. Okay. You know, like, he's a good guy and. I think he understood. It was just like, yeah, I, I was barely there. And he, he spoke to me about it first. He was like, ah, oh, I'm fine. You're barely here. You're never really, you know, active. You're not, you know, doing the things as much as I am. Like, I feel like I'm alone in this. That's when I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to hold you back. Okay, so now let's just go back. Then the sweets, the sour worms, that failed. Yep. You did paper share, mm-hmm. that failed. Mm-hmm. You did DP magazine mm-hmm. that failed. Okay. You did a Gotta Ma- got the Show yeah. that failed. Yeah. Where are you now? Where's your headspace um, at that point where you're just like, what the heck? 
and what how do you say okay fine what's my next move and how do you change the direction and just like look at the campus and say like, okay fine this is my next thing so the one thing I always say is like I have a very different mentality mm. to most people um I'm very proud of my failures. Like, most people coast through life, just coast through life um, never taking risks, never really trying to do anything that really matters, never trying or even believing that they can change the world. Were the things I was doing um, that significant? Um, I feel so. Do I feel like they could have changed the world? Yes. Might not have been a, at the scale of a Twitter, a Facebook, you know, uh, whatever. But there was something in the world that I saw that was broken. And I wanted to fix it. Right? Besides the Sourworms and the Kota, Paper Share, Deep Magazine, Mash Startup, everything else I've done after that. I understood that there was a need that I wanted to solve for. And there was something that I wanted to fix or change in the world and in the way the world worked and that was like that was really really important to me and me failing while trying to do that has built me up to be the sort of person that can actually work towards a much greater success like I think it's, it's so important to fail and fail forward and fail right and fail and learn and consistently like gather those learnings no matter what like lose a thousand rand on a stupid business with sweets right lose 20,000 rand on a quarter business lose 50,000 rand on a magazine but after that okay what did you do in that magazine that you can apply to a podcast network what did you learn from a quarter shop that you can now apply in a massive restaurant chain right I feel like learnings and and failures compound and you grow stronger you grow better especially as an entrepreneur but more so as a person success is great like I love winning like winning is, is everything but I appreciate failing I appreciate losing because you can learn so much about yourself learn so much about being an entrepreneur being a business owner being an like an employee as well Whatever it is that you're doing, you can learn a lot when you do lose, when you do fail. Just as much as when the victory lap comes around and now everyone's happy, everyone's around you. Don't forget to like withdraw from that celebration and go, but what did we learn from this? Could we have been even better? Where have we failed? Mm. So we get to a point where you are... So now you're, you're at a point now. Let's not forget that you're growing up. Like okay. everything that you're doing, you are growing up. You are getting older. And um, your family is looking at you. Your mom is looking at you like, dude, what the heck, you know? You get to a point where you put out a tweet. And on that day is the day that you constantly are going back to and you constantly are reminding people of that day. Where you put out a tweet and you were so broke, you were so flat, and you were like, guys, this is it for me. But you were saying this is it in terms of your financial status, not that this is it because you're quitting entrepreneurship or anything of the sort. 
where were you at that spot? What was going on in your life at that point? And also, what was driving you? Cool. So, it's a fun story. <laughs> I was dead broke. <laughs> like you had That's like nothing. No. Like not even one had, night I think to I had, No, no, no. I had like, cup. I had the, so what I do, right, and th- these were the worst of days. Now I've dropped out of school. I have no money, right? My mom is just like, nah. And uh, by the way, I'm going to put this into perspective. This is the beginning of last year. Mm-mm. Yes. The year before, no. 2017. It was 2016. It was 2017. It was 2016. Let me tell you why. I only joined Yoko in July 2017. But this started in 2016. No, this tweet, this story happens in 2017. But I'm saying the build-up started in 2016. Yeah, but the, the build-up was literally just me dropping out, me quitting everything, me spending more time in incubators than I was in classes. So all of that okay. spirals everything, right? So beginning of last year, no plan. Okay? Shit. Okay. This is January. The one thing I know how to do is build websites. Those website checks don't clear fast. <laughs> also, you're doing something that anyone can do. Yeah. Right? So the only thing I know how to do is build websites. So I'm building websites for other people on the side. No one really cares. You know, it's not a big business. It doesn't really matter that much. And you weren't running it as a business either? No, I wasn't. Honestly, at the beginning of last year, I had no idea what I was doing, who I was, and what, what I cared about, right? But I knew I knew how to build websites. So I'm like, you know what? If I can't build for other people, obviously now the clients have dried up. There's no more net... You know, the network has dried up now. Now you've spoken to everyone that knows everyone that knows someone that needs a website, okay? And... So, I know how to build websites, right? So, I built this website. Pretty cool website. It's called Mass Starts Up. And it has all these resources for entrepreneurs in order to navigate the entrepreneurship landscape, right? This stems from the frustrations I had when I wanted to look for an incubator, when I was looking for an accelerator, when I wanted funding, when, some, when I wanted a mentor. It was very difficult to access those things because no one has a central base for everything that's happening in the landscape. We have a very fragmented ecosystem where everyone is doing their own thing in terms of every brand owns their own incubator and they operate it completely in a silo and you have hundreds of those. But no one had a central place where you could get access to everything and compare what would actually work for me as an entrepreneur or for me in this business that I have for me in the growth stage that I'm at, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm broke. Nothing else matters. I'm going to build this. I build it. It's super cool. It's the coolest thing ever. And this is the point where I'm getting interviews for radio. I'm getting features on magazines. You even had a PR manager. It's super cool. Someone was just like, hey, I saw you on Twitter. You're so cool. Can I be a PR manager? I was like, Cool. And for free, let's let's fund that. It was so good. Like, Unati was amazing. So she gets me these interviews, and everyone is talking about this kid that's building this. I wasn't even a kid. I don't know. But, like, it was a good story. (laughs) Young black man building something. Yeah. You've seen this narrative. Everyone loves it. Everyone likes that story. But is it putting in money? Jack shit. (laughs) At this point, I remember there was a day where I went to... Where I went to, where I went to, um, 
was the SABC for a radio interview. Mm. Straight after that radio interview, I didn't have enough money to get home. <laughs> I had to borrow it from someone. Like, it was so, it was like that. Like, like let's get real, right? You had no so, money for food. You had no money to travel. So this is what happens. And you're running a digital platform. So this is so what happens. So you're getting data. Hey, let's, let's, we're, squatting for Wi-Fi. <laughs> we're squatting for Wi-Fi. We're squatting for Wi-Fi. Squatting, guys. We were going the Hive. I used to hang out at a Fair lot. Place. No one knew this guy is broke as shit. But they were just like, oh, this guy's so cool. He's doing amazing things. And you always looked the part. Always looked like you know what? I have this. Yeah. I know what I'm doing, and I know where it's going. Yeah. Right. And the but that's because well. of like. But I still feel like that's not something you put on. Like, at the at the center of everything is like purpose for yeah. me, right? The only Bible verse for me that really matters, and I'm sure, you know, if I had a spiritual guide, they'd be very angry right now, right? But the Bible verse that speaks to me beyond everything everything else is in Isaiah, and it says, "Who shall we send?" Literally. So God is looking for a messenger, right? Yeah. He's looking for a messenger. And he just puts out a, a call to action. It's like, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And this is after he spoke to the prophet Isaiah. This is, this is, this is after. And like, this person stands up and says, Send me. Here I am. Mm. Send me. So, so this is before Tumamina. I hate that campaign. <laughs> I think it was after. I hate, I hate that campaign this year. Like when Ramaphosa came, oh, yeah, it was like Tumamina. I was just like, no. I think maybe you guys have the same now everyone is just like watering it down because I wanted this tattoo that said, here I am, send me. Aww. But now everyone's just like, Tumamina. So now it's a, it's a vibe. <laughs> but to be honest, like that's the most important Bible verse because it speaks to who I am as a person and what I want to do in the world. And... So, in, 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 in always being rooted in that, even, like, early last year. And this is a period between January and about April, mm. where I'm doing interviews and stuff like that. The website is getting, you know, good reviews. People are looking at it. People are using it. You're getting clout, basically, online. Great amount of respect for the work I'm doing mm. and how I'm helping people. I plan an event. Um... Oh, okay. Let's, before that, do you want to go to the story of me tweeting? Yeah, before okay. we get to Power of 10 and everything, let's, okay. let's talk about this. Now, you're you're getting all these interviews, you're getting clout. Imagine you're literally like super famous now. Even now, Hashem, you were starting Not to walk. Not super famous, but okay. You were getting, you were walking differently. You were now cool kid in Brahm and everything. Mm. Everybody knew you. But your bank account is running dry. Yeah. Like it's running really, really dry. You get to a point where you tweet. What do you tweet? Okay. And why do you tweet it? Okay. So, it's a very, very fun story because most people assume that it's unreal. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I have... I have uh, this is when the tax was 15 rand to go to my house. Um, so, I have, 50, I have 30 rand, yeah. right? 30 rand to come to town, 30 rand to go home. I walk from town um, to Brown. I sit with my laptop and I work. And... At and some by point, the way, I'm this like, laptop is like a, a PC. It's not a Mac. Yeah, it's let's, not a Mac. let's be clear. And yeah, you're also guys, using an Android phone. Life done changed. <laughs> <laughs> we don't come up. <laughs> so, 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 here we are. 
I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know what? The one thing I genuinely appreciate about myself and something that no one will ever take away from me is that I own who I am and where I am in life. Like, I'm happy to tell you, hey, this shit is real. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to tweet about where I'm at right now because it's just like... It's like, wow, I want to appreciate the struggle because I'm going to look back on this moment someday. And also you're a person who likes creating memories. So now I like creating memories. Memory I want to remember this, right? So I didn't actually tweet this. I put, the, I put it on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. So I put it on Facebook. I say, so I've got 15 rand. Um, I can either buy data or I can buy food, but not both. I was like... Um, So I put this on Facebook. So I was like, I guess I'll, I'll see you guys. I guess I'll eat Facebook or something like that. I guess I'll just eat Facebook. For because me, even in that, you were even in that moment, that what you're going to do. In that moment, I genuinely had no interest in buying food. You'd rather go Because hungry. I'd rather go hungry and get work done. Do you get what I mean? So I put that, put that out. I even mm. forget about it. right? Mm. And then I'll go like two hours just working. Then I go back on Facebook, those tweets. Most people are laughing. Some people have sad faces on. Some people are commenting. But the real people are in my inbox. Yeah. Four people inbox me. Hey. Are these people The one guy. So these are people I had never met at the time, but people that I've spoken to online a lot. Mm. And one guy says to me, his name is Craig. I consider him a very cool mentor. Right? And Craig says, hey, man, what's your number? So I'm like, okay, I give him my number. He's like... Because you're thinking it's like, what, he wants to chat? Yeah, like, he just wants to chat. I send him my number. He's like, what network is it? I'm like, no, it's MTN. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Buys me 300 rand airtime. He's like, go buy food and stop what you're doing. So never talk about your struggles online. I'm like, okay, cool. So already I'm shocked. I'm just like... What just happened? I was going to buy 15 rand. This guy just bought me 300. The second inbox, hey, what's your phone number? Give them my phone number. They're like, cool, just withdraw this at FMB. It was 700 bucks. Damn. The other person sent me 500 bucks. Damn. At the end of it, it was about 1,500 rand, mm-hmm. airtime and money. And I was sitting there going, you can't buy this. You can't buy this. And that the, the post that you put was like genuinely. It wasn't even like. I was screwed. You were like, "This is my <laughs> life right now. This is my reality." I was like, "Guys, let's be honest. This is where my life is." I put that out. Between you that and poverty is fifteen rand. It's fifteen rand. Either I buy data, or I buy data and work, or I buy food. And, and even the data you're gonna buy, it's not gonna be more than hundred megabytes. It's gonna be worth it because I won't get that much done, but at least I'll get something like done. That. You get what I mean? Mm. So my thing was like, you know what? There's moments in time where God puts himself in people and uses them in the ways that you need them to be used. Mm. So for me, it was like three people on the internet that I'd never met said, you cannot afford to stop doing the work that you're doing because you are helping people and we can't afford for you to struggle. And gave me the resources, empowered me 
so that I could keep on working. So now that 1.5 was A, I think I lost like three weeks and I was like grinding. And now you even had like the motivation that you needed. I have a different kind of motivation. Because mm. someone is literally saying, you know what? You can't afford to stop doing the work you're doing because you matter to a lot of people. And we're going to keep you going so that you can impact a lot more people. And that's where that pay forward thing. Yeah. Right? Because they give me these resources. I built this website to, to help to people. those people, you know, share that information and so forth. What you do? How, how does that affect you mentally? How does that, because now there's a lot of things, there's a lot of talk right now mm. in entrepreneurship about mental health and the awareness of mental health in entrepreneurship. And here you've just explained to us one of the things that, I mean, all entrepreneurs go through. And everyone goes through in general, when you get to a point where you're so dry, you're a young person, you're a guy even, and you're an African man, unfortunately. And all the stereotypes and social <laughs> and societal um, thoughts and, and expectations for your life. Here's your mom. I don't know if you're gonna, you'll delete this and edit it if you want to. <laughs> but like, your mom literally gave you an application to go apply in the SAPS. Oh, yeah. And SAPS, like, and she was like, government, <laughs> transnet. Like, get a job. So now this hey. is your parents saying to you, dude, like, what the heck? Yeah. And you're at an age where you're over 25, babe. Yeah. And like, you, you, you need to make something happen. You need happen. to make something happen. You're dry. Um, where are you mentally? How, where's your mental space? How are you? Like, what's your anxiety? Like, what's, what's going on in your life then? Apart, above and beyond, just the entrepreneurship, above, what, you as a human being, what are you going through at that point? Oh, no, I was broken. Especially with each and every application form. So now, it's a daily thing. My mom is actively working to find as many jobs as she can mm. so that she can send them to me. At this point, that here I am send me is a song in my head. Daily, here I am send me, here I am send me. Because I tried school. I really wanted to do well, but I'd feel sick when I had to study. Like physically ill, anxiety, depression, heart palpitations, lack, like shortness of breath, everything, whatever you want where a mental or emotional or psychological condition manifests physically, I was going through it. That is what happened when I tried to study. And that's what happened when I tried to do a traditional job job. I remember being a barman for two days. The second day, I was like, Futag, I'm not going. There's no way. I couldn't sleep. I went the first day. They trained me. The second day I went and I was like serving people. I could not sleep in those two days. The third day I switched off my phone and I just like collapsed in bed and I couldn't get up. And that's where, for me, that's when God is like, why are you pretending to be something that I didn't build you to become? Like, what are you doing? Why do you keep running away from who you actually are and what you actually, you need to invest yourself in things that matter. Why do you keep doing this other stuff? Why can't you be patient? So, to be honest, broken, broke, depressed, constant anxiety, constant fights with family because it's like, but you a smart guy, why can't you just get a job? No, jobs don't make sense. Why can't you finish school? 
because I feel sick when I have to study. And also, like, your parents, like family's not even understanding what you're saying. Some they don't understand what that means. What does that mean? You're acting like a spoiled brat. You lazy. Yeah. It, like, you know black families, mm-hmm. 0 to 100, you're lazy or you don't appreciate something's what wrong done with you. Like, we've they done everything. They even take you back to, like, remember Listen. when we took you back to, we took you to boarding school, the money we spent on you. All that. So... My mom didn't go that far, okay. but she definitely was sending the application forms. Hey, Transnet. Hey, this. Hey, SAPS. I was like, SAPS? I think that's where you were like, Me? what the heck? Be a cop. You had me on the front lines, even. You'd rather risk me risking my life daily than do what I love. I'll get you anything to do to get you your ass She's off like, her couch. I just need you to make money and grow. Mm. Growth is everything. Mm. For me as well. Like, did I feel like I was growing? Yes. I felt like there was progress in my life. I felt like every small thing that happened, whether it was like 5,000 people on the website in a month to look at the incubators list, mm. the incubator list going viral on Twitter. Mm. Um, Small things like celebrities reaching out and being like, hey, this is super cool. Keep doing your work. Those three people that helped me on Facebook constantly speaking to me. It's like, hey, are you still okay? Should I send you more? No, it's okay. But constantly, like getting friends that say, you know what, you can work for me right now because I need this, this, and that. Just like those small things, I felt like I always felt like that was massive progress and it was leading to a big win. But people aren't seeing it on the outside. But no one can see that because that's mine. Like, Mm. I'm going through the win in my mind. I'm going, the life that I'm going to live is going to be a marathon. Mm. I'm not going to be instantly rich at any point. It's not a sprint. It's not a sprint. I'm going to have to work for this. There's going to be a process. It's going to be painful. And at some point, it's going to work. Like, it's going to happen. with the process, not against it. It's... it's not just going to be a result. You know, when you think about people when they, when they talk about success, what's the first thing they tell you about? They tell you about the result. They tell you about the house, the car, the destination, the travel, the food, the, the money. and How the, amazing their life is. They talk about the results. No one ever says, yeah, I actually think if I had, you know, a job that I really loved and um, if we could do this, 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 that mattered and work on this, 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 that way. Like, the entire process. Like, okay... If you saying to me you want to be extremely successful at 40, okay, what does that actually look like? There's the result. Okay, what do you think the process is? Someone tells you about success but never tells you about the the process, process, doesn't give a fuck about you. They don't care. They don't really want to tell you anything. And that's what everybody's doing. If you don't tell me, no. And then you buy the dream. Don't tell me. Don't tell me the, the beautiful house on the Instagram. Don't, don't, sell, the don't tell me the, the travel. Don't, don't show me that stuff. If you're not gonna tell me, oh no, at the 18, at 18, we actually started a you know a spaza shop. Oh cool. And then what did you do? Oh no, yeah. we opened three more. With, oh, with your whole family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like tell me everything. Tell me about how the, the spaza shop became a supermarket that became a chain. Mm. Like obviously there's not a, a story like that. That's fictional. But what I'm saying is like. Don't just tell me about the result. Don't tell me about how, oh no, we're going to change the world. Tell me about the days where Tell me about like the days where, like, no, tell me about the process. There was years in between. Mm. No one ever talks about it. Like, you talk about Apple, you talk about Netflix, you talk about all these different products. Mm. You talk about Yoko, even. You talk about Yoko, and everyone will say, 
oh man, so much funding and this and that. I speak a daily. I work with a guy that was at Yoko when it was five guys. He always tells me about how he was the one that you know had to go out to find the first like 50 customers. Mm. And people constantly going, who the fuck are you? What do you want? And he's trying to give these things away. Wow, for free. Like, this is bootstrap mood now. And I mean, like, Yoko was the in, is, in the game two years before it was actually launched. And like, by the guys, time it was two months... There was two years of Yoko that no one knows about. Exactly. Let's not talk about Yoko. And this, this, goes, this goes into <laughs> other things as well. Like, I'm not just talking about Yoko, obviously. Mm. I'm, thinking, I'm talking about everything mm. in the broader scheme of business and entrepreneurship. Everyone's talking result. It's like, oh... When they tell you about the success of a business, do, you, do they ever explain what it meant to get there? No. I mean, every business posts their wins. Even small businesses right now, they only post the wins. They only post... You, only post, the, you post the victory lap because everyone wants to attend. Mm. If you process the, the process, that drop-off rate gets real high. Mm. 95% don't attend. Mm. No one likes this post. <laughs> <laughs> because now you're telling us... Oh fuck It's not just Instagram mm. So you're telling me That you actually Have to work hard mm. That I have to sleep you two hours a day You need to mm. Hustle Like there's a lot of work to this Team no sleep is a real thing I'm not sure If people actually were honest Like mm. and real And said okay Here's the success Here's the win But this is what you're going to have to go through. If people were able to be given that opportunity to go... Read the fine print. You want to you wanna win? Here's the fine print. Here's the title. Mm. Successful black entrepreneur builds five billion rand business. Mm. Fine print. Mm. 60 pages of just sacrifices and pain and constant hurts. Mental breakdowns. Mental breakdowns. Uh, health dips. All of that stuff, someone writes all of it, and then you read that. How many people would read the whole thing? No one's reading the whole thing. This is gonna stop at like the first people that really care and understand the impact of all of this read the whole thing because they like, I appreciate the process this person went through, and I'm going through my process. Mm. I'm gonna learn from their process so my process can be smarter as well. Mm. But I'm still invested in the process to get to the success. The people that are in this, it's hype. Right now, it's a trend. It's fucking fun. It's beautiful. Young black building a business. It's a, it's a brilliant pack. story. It's a starter pack. It's a starter pack. Everyone wants that story. Mm. How many interviews have you heard on radio where someone was saying, so what revenues do you guys do? I swear, most entrepreneurs will vomit on in the studio. <laughs> What's your turnover rate? What is your turnover? Mm. What are your uh, plans for expansion? Mm. What are the numbers in terms of the people that you hire and the, you know, mm. what is the cost of, you know, you actually producing like? your, your, your product? What Overheads. are your books like? Oh. <laughs> your books. Books. How many entrepreneurs on radio are mentioning their books, mm. their numbers? No ways. And also there's this thing of like based on who you're associated with that makes your books good and that's something we're going to talk, talk about later but now okay here you are you're going through all of this it's lit in your life and then the yoko opportunity comes through 
obviously nobody knew about this this was like hush hush and I mean you work for months for Yoko without even announcing it until like later on um, I remember when you first told me about the Yoko thing yeah you were very you were you weren't excited so to put it but mm. you were like I'm doing this because I know it's going to change people's lives yeah tell me about that how the reality of you accepting and now this this all agree this is a 95 now yeah. and now this is after you've told us how 95s make you feel what made you besides your situation and where you were what prompted you to actually join this and accept the offer at your call so people matter to me right and there's very few people that matter to me at a level where their opinion and their recommendations can actually change the way I think and the way I navigate things. Um, I didn't know about Yoko. You know, I was saying, you know, I was online talking about being like a startup, you know, person that speaks about startups and all of this, but I barely actually knew Yoko, right? And a friend of mine, his name is Marcello, he's a great, great guy I met in like 2016 at Demo Africa and we spoke about you know we always chatted on Twitter and stuff that was the first time I actually met him and he was doing work in the in a similar space so he was working in you know developing entrepreneurs in South Africa through seed stars and he was working with these amazing spaces organizing these competitions and all of that and he'd always get me involved like invite me to these you know events and you know tell me about what was happening and I always appreciated that, like the genuine need to empower someone else. Like, I'll never forget that. So, he joined Yoko um, as uh, part of the expansion team. And the marketing manager was looking for someone that could be a community manager, right? So, Marcello speaks to me, he's like, hey, um, I hope you're good. Um, what are you working on these days? I'm like, oh, no, I'm just running my, my, my website, you know talking about startups and I told them about the power of 10 um, the event where I just brought together a bunch of great entrepreneurs and we made really amazing content from that and put it out and this is when I already started with the podcast stuff as well but very light right so he tells me oh no um, it's like ah would you be interested in a job I was like and this is now like deep into the down and out, but also just like already seeing the light and feeling good about it, mm. right? So before he even approaches me, I'm already just like, oh no, my energy's good now. Like, I feel like I'm on a flow. So he's like, oh no, would you ever consider a job? I'm like... Mm. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, I'm willing to chat. I mean, if it's a great fit, I'm very interested. He shows me the job spec and, you know, he tells me to apply, apply. I get an interview with him and, and, and the marketing manager at the time. And the entire conversation about an hour or so is about what the startup ecosystem in South Africa is like. Mm. What is actually happening on the ground where people are running businesses? What's happening with entrepreneurs? What's happening with the centers that develop them? What's happening with um, the events that they, they go to? What's missing? You know, and it's literally just a conversation, just like let's go. And literally for an hour, an hour and a half, we're just going. And 
it just turns out that all that struggling where I was just hustling and going to these different events and this and all that stuff was actually learnings and knowledge and skills that were being built. Didn't realize it at the time, but like, I was just like, oh, shit, I know a lot. A bit a lot. <laughs> We've been at the game, though. We've been, actually. <laughs> so when I was in that meeting, I was like, oh, shit. I genuinely am so inside the ecosystem that I can't even You have see. insights that no exactly. startup could at ever this have. Point, at this point, I know so much. Yeah. And I'm like, the value, I'm so willing to give it, right? Yeah. Offer comes in. And there you go, to my That's money. I was like, wow, that's. That's money. I've never seen so much money before. <laughs> and it wasn't like a major. But it was, it was like, like, at the time, it was like, damn. Many websites. Yo! That's many websites. That's many websites. And I was like. And all you need to do is just like. So, you know what I did, right? Mm. So, between the interview and the final decision, there was a talk by a Yoko co-founder. Mm. And one of the and that's Lungisa, right? So I went to the hive mm. and I, I listened to him. Most people that were in the room were very like creative entrepreneur, but you know, I had a deeper focus on like everything, right? Mm. So he gets down from stage and everyone claps like they're supposed to, right? But I don't think anyone really heard him. Because the things that we were saying, the level that they were playing at, the sort of things they were trying to do, the way they wanted to navigate things and make a change, you can't get that. Mm-hmm. It was a vision that was way beyond anything that I had ever dreamed of. And if you can sign up to something that shows you, like, I, I can't even explain it, but like, mm-hmm. I can't quantify it, but like, imagine someone showed you like someone opened your eyes to a new world that where, where, where before you could help five people but they showed you this world where you could possibly help 50,000 and you saw who you were when you could actually help 50,000 people mm. instead of five I was like That's this it. is the only job I'd ever take in my whole life Signed it in a flash. <laughs> Look, before we move on, just that, that, that pairing, the pairing of the company's ethos, the company's vision and the mission and what they're trying to achieve and accomplish and what you're also trying to achieve, your personal mission and vision, your personal core values that you have as an individual that have been embedded in you from the jump. And here's this, this marriage between the two that is like beautiful and it works. Do you then think that because of the vision and the mission of traditional nine to fives, whereas it's just let's just do it, get through the day and that's it, um, and 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 not having that purpose of like how are we helping our people, how are we moving this thing forward, how are we changing, and and and, and getting to the next level, is that now where the the, the anxiety and the, the the sicknesses were coming from in your previous roles, whereas with this one it actually worked. And so if you find an, a company or an organization or you find a fit that fits with what you believe in, then you are able to be more productive and contribute more to the company. The fit is everything. Yoko's culture is the greatest thing I've ever seen or experienced in my life, right? Mm. And I'm talking about everything. 
passing exams was nothing compared like passing matric exams you remember that excitement mm. the feeling of reading your name on the paper mm. it was nothing compared to yoko reaching 30,000 merchants mm. like it's like a that's how word. deep it's in now it's like that win feels like me <laughs> mm. wow you've got a hundred and something people that are deeply 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 invested in we do not just exist to facilitate payments we exist to impact entrepreneurs we exist to impact small businesses we exist to impact unemployment poverty all like the trickle down effects of helping businesses be better are insane right and that's core to who i am again here i am send me it's a vision driven purpose driven business where you can clearly see the impact that it has on the economy has on people has on lives hmm. i don't think i would have got that if i say worked for a bank if i worked for saps maybe saps protecting people on i don't front, know on the front line on the front line <laughs> <laughs> hey i could have got that maybe you would i could have got that i could have got that we never know i could have saved lives but like i chose to help people transact <laughs> and the thing is I feel like I have as much impact as someone that's fighting on the front. We fighting on different front lines. We fighting on the economic, economic front yeah. lines. Were you helping small businesses grow, be better, build better? Mm. Doesn't that trickle down? It does. And it trickles down in, a, in an even immense way because now Insane you can see GDP um how um taxes are um, revenues are being impacted. It's everything. It's everything. Okay, cool. So Okay, so now you're at Joko, spirits are feeling better, you have these four platforms, Reculture, it's Mesh Startup, what were the other two? Capital Brew. Yeah, before it was Capital Brew. I want the original New name. Youth Network. New Youth Network, um, there was the fourth one. Come on. I'm so good with names, I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just go with those three. Okay. So you had these platforms, and you were like, "I'm gonna create this network, this media content network," and you had people like editors, so to put it, digital editors that were running each and every single platform. And then you literally just scrap the whole, like you scrap everything. You delete all content. You delete everything on all the we culture. Okay. <laughs> all these things. You delete all these content, all these things, and you start again. You develop Mesh Startup, change the whole model. Started all over. You started Mesh Startup. I mean, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, took down the website, put it back up, redesigned it, and mm. it stays. You keep tweaking it and retweaking it. Mm. Then Lucha was born, and yeah. New Youth Network was dropped. Yeah. We culture still exists. Um, Capital Brew. Capital Brew is now the new thing. So now you've yeah. got Capital Brew, We Culture, Lucha, and Mesh Startup. Yeah. which are your four digital platforms. Yeah. Mesh starts up focusing on um, entrepreneurship, developments, and that's you. Yeah. Um, Lucha, focusing on building podcast audio content yeah. within Africa. Tell us about that. So it's a very, very... If you look at the trend mm. so far, there's been a lot of content and digital. Right. The magazine, the paper share, the everything still goes back to digital content. And this is why I co- I keep going back to it. It doesn't matter like how much I run, but I always go back to 
digital and content and making content that actually matters. So what Lucha is, is it's, it's a podcast network that's changing the African nar millennial narrative um, globally, right? What that means is how many times have you know, you're a content creator but also a content consumer, right? How many times has Vice, for example, came to South Africa, did a documentary about something, left, put it on YouTube, and then everyone went wild? But no one in South Africa thought to do that. It doesn't make sense. And we've got the um, You've got so, much, so many of those stories where people from America, people from Europe, understand the value of the content and the stories that exist in South Africa, and they are willing to make the investment to come down and tell the, document everything and tell those stories, even though from their perspective, right, why is no one taking the exact same investment and putting it to South Africa? There's small players that, that are doing that, right, but no one's doing it at scale, where they're going, we are going to document South African culture. Like Whether national broadcasters like the ACBC. Exactly. You know, I don't know if that's down to innovation. I don't know if it's down to demographics in terms of management. I don't know if the decision makers are just like people who don't believe that, you know, digital matters. Mm. But whatever it is, it's broken. It's broken. What Lucha is meant to be, and this is something that I'm going to fight for, for possibly the rest of my life, is the difference. The difference in what? Could you be the platform that finally produces content at the level of Vice, of Complex, of... Dazed. Dazed, all of them. Mm. At the quality of that, sure. at the value of that, told from a truly African narrative and done so with absolutely no cultural appropriation, no trying to... Create my our own narrative about it, or manipulating what it actually. Not making is. it fancy, telling make it, it as real. It is. Yeah. Make it real. Make it, and make it so much that it will matter in ten years. Can we make content that changes the way that Africans view themselves mm. and the way the world views Africans? If you went on on YouTube right now and you had to find a YouTube channel. I'll be very honest, it's very hard for me to find a South African channel with the same production quality, right? And, and level that the Americans are playing at. And I mean, it can come down to, you know, economics or just decisions on strategy, whatever, whatever. But the cost of producing content that's really good is not as much as people make it out to be. Can I ask you a question on that? Yeah. Does it go back to our mindsets? Because this is one thing that I always say, South Africa, is a third world country, and we tend to forget that, that has traits of a first world. And so, even though we have access and resources that your America, your UK, and all these overseas countries and um, platforms, digital platforms have, and we have access to their digital platforms through our cell phones and our smartphones, our mindsets are still third world. So now, how, how do we get around that? The mindset of a so third world with the resources of a first world is so it bad or for me. What, what would it be? To what? be honest, for me, it's not that. Mm. Like, obviously, South Africa is a very complex country. Our history puts us in the sort of position that no other like country has ever been in. Right? Mm. You have two economies in one country. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> That's true. 
Do you have the economy that, that exists to serve those who've previously been advantaged and the real economy where... Yeah, everybody else. Do you understand? Yeah. Those two economies, you think about it and it's like... There's a lot that we still need to go through. Like, a whole lot. That we need to be very conscious of. Our history, our, you know... Even even just thinking about the way we want to execute on the future, yeah, it's going to be affected by what we've what we've been through in the past. Mm. Like, are we conscious of that? The bigger thing is like, do we actually see value in telling our own stories? How many people are willing or happy or excited to go online and watch something in vendor, in Zonga, in Bedi? I'll tell you a lot. But then also, does it go at the fact? Like, look, at the end of the day, if I am, I'm coming from an like, if I go into, if I go to say any other country in Africa, um, Uganda, I've never been in Uganda. I don't know the experience in Uganda, and I see something in Uganda that's like, oh my gosh, this is so, we need to tell the story. Is it because we're in it and this is our reality that then we don't say, oh my gosh, it's and so because we're we blinded we by the reality of the it. reality of it of just going, oh no, this is just life. It's not a fetish for us. It's not like, oh my gosh, look at did you know this? But the reality is like there's so much to be told. Mm. Like what we're doing with Lucha is right now we at seven podcasts. Three of them haven't launched. Four of them haven't launched. Yeah. Right? So we're gonna do four. Seven podcasts across different interests, right? That serve different um, different markets with different you know um, frames of thinking, with very very interesting content creators and people that are deeply invested in creating content of value that can actually have an impact, right? Mm. Now, will it cover everything? No. I want to get to ten podcasts where you've got. A Zulu podcast on dating and relationships, and it's strictly and and not done in the way where we're gossiping. Traditional media is so invested in bubblegum now. Mm. Like, the bubblegum sells; it's fine. I understand that. Like people, and like you, you're seeing this across the board where people are just going, you know what? What's the hype? Let's run with it. Hey. And what's the hype? Let's run with it. Exactly. Mm. No one is willing to go deeper. Okay, are you going to go deeper into investing in creating content that has value and impact across the board? No. Are we going to talk about pyramids? I don't think it will trend on Twitter. Ah. Now we're talking about social media. So now social media trends dictate mm. content. So it's not about value. It's not about impact. It's not about educating and empowering and enabling people to be better and do better. I don't understand. Isn't that why, like media exists to better people, empower them, enable them, inform them. Like, I understand. Is it, it does go back to who, who we're targeting online. Because then are we, talk, are we targeting Mesh Dancer because he's got 5,000, 10,000 followers? Or are we, who are we creating the content for, basically? Exactly. Who's Lucha creating content for? I think Lucha is creating content for African millennials and not South African millennials. Nice. African millennials. And by that, I mean young Africans in urban areas who have a frame of thinking that is very different from their parents. Mm. They understand that their generation is going to be the generation that brings Africa into the future. Mm. 
That's what, Af- that's what an African millennial is to me. It's someone that says, I am African, and therefore I am going to bring Africa into the future. I'm not going to be only defined by, okay, the past is what it is, and like now we just need to exist in it. Mm. So what being now, the, sa- the sacrificial lambs to I don't pave want the to. way for the next people. I'm genuinely deeply invested in being the sort of person that brings people who want to bring Africa into the future mm. as the future. Mm. Enabling those people to put out the sort of content that can inform, enable, empower, and educate the next hundred of thousand people that can buy into that same thing of saying, I'm going to be the sort of person that brings Africa into the future as the future. Mm. Now, if you think about that, the way it's, it's been told, the content can't be bubblegum. Mm. It's a, it's a, it, it can't work. That's why we've chosen a medium where bubblegum doesn't work. Mm. Bubblegum just doesn't work. It's about on, the value in the content. It's about value. It's about impact. It's about genuinely investing yourself in the content. I think this is a very difficult and, 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 and it's going to be a, a massive challenge in trying to really scale this to the level I want it to be. But I'm excited because even if only 100 people listen to my podcast, even if only 100 people listen to Her Magic, listen to We, listen to Pioneers vs. Pretenders, or any of the other shows, even if 100 people listen to those to an episode and like they listen consistently, if we only change 100 minds, how many of those hundred minds can be impacted? Yeah. And of those, how many more can they go on to impact? And you have that trickle down again, multiply it, multiply it, multiply it, multiply it. And like, if we can be the sort of platform where people in 10 years say, you changed the way I thought, the way I saw, the way I heard, and the way I felt, and I understood my responsibility as an African millennial to take Africa into the future as the future. If someone, if we can do that, we win. Monetization, cool, uh, much larger uh, listenership, that's amazing. Uh, going into video, great. Going to audio, great. All these different things, amazing. But the one thing, can we build, can we galvanize, can we activate a generation of young millennial Africans to take Africa into the future as the future. That's it. And that's the core value for Lucha. That's the core value. Mm. Can you make content that can do that? Yes or no? No. Okay, cool. Bye, next. Hey, man, you can record your cool thing with your phone. Wherever. Wherever, but it's not <laughs> going to be here because we understand the impact and value of content to make a change in the world. Now, not only are you recording podcasts and not only are you building a network for podcasts, you also have a podcast library on Lucha, on the website, which is available on lucha.com. Tell us about that. So, the podcast library is like, what I've realized is like there's a crabs in the barrel mentality or like frame of thinking when it comes to creators sometimes and when it comes to online digital content creators as well. Mm. You think that the only way that your podcast can be great is if there's less podcasts and people are only listening to your podcast. Nice, okay. That is a fail. You are competing in the way that a traditional business does. Mm. 
what you need to do is think in the way that startups do. Think about Elon Musk. Elon Musk builds this amazing electric car, it's battery powered and this and this. Do you know what he did? They wrote up all the plans about what that car entails, what it has, all the components, all the how to put it together, all of that. They put it on the internet for anyone to download. You can build your own Tesla. Mm. That's open source. You can literally use it to do whatever you want. What that creates is an economy and a market where people are going, oh, I want to build one. How many more car manufacturers can you get to want to build electric cars for it to be as popular as a petrol car? Well, at the same time, you are building on your model, exactly. making it better so that by the, the time The only way Tesla out, can scale is if there's a bigger market for people that are going electric is better. So if I have more mm. options, mm. if there's more infrastructure built to empower or enable you know, electric cars to be viable, the better it is. Mm. I compete on that basis. It's like, I want there to be more podcasts because what happens is you have a new podcast, you have a network of people. So say, for example, a 45-year-old or 50-year-old young... Uh, sorry. A 45 or 50-year-old uh, older woman... Um, does a podcast and she calls it um, Itanga, right? Sorry, I just came up. And she's, she's a talking. different name. Oh, okay, I don't have a name. I'm sorry. Like, no, no. Okay, cool. So she, she she comes up with a name. I don't like that one either. But like, she comes up with a name, right? She's 45 to 50. She's a black woman. She comes up with a name. She has an artwork and she makes a podcast talking about sex amongst. Them. 45 to 50 old women okay. black women now we understand where your name came from do you get what I mean yeah she makes that podcast she only sends it to her network right mm. her network is all her friends and the, the friends of her friends and, and exactly mm. those people share it with other people those people share it with other people now those people become part of the podcast consumer group because mm. you're listening to one podcast you're like oh shit this is cool now I can introduce you to something else. Okay, cool. Check out her magic. It's literally a, a documenting and advancing of women through the stories that they tell. You know, what are women going through? What are young African millennial women um, living with? What are the challenges they have with their mothers? Oh, I'm a mother. I've been listening to Itanga. Now I want to hear what young 20-something-year-olds are saying about their parents because I have a young 20-year-old and I want to hear what she said about her mom and if maybe I'm making the same mistakes now I'm part of that and then I hear a podcast on her magic about entrepreneurship and I want to know a lot more about entrepreneurs now oh crap I'm going to go to Mass Startup mm. oh Mass Startup comes and talks about mental health oh um, an entrepreneur comes and talks about mental health and the challenges they face I want to know more about mental health I'm going to go to We we've created a consumer that can now go on to consume a whole lot more. Like, that's where I think. So that's why we have the library. It's like 30... I'm not even sure what the count is now. <laughs> I think it's 30 to 40 mm. African podcasts that are either based continental. in... Continental. podcasts mm. that are either um, made by Africans in um, foreign countries or um, are made in South Africa. So it's a, it's a massive and diverse list. I mean, you're talking from pop culture to education to news um, and current affairs to entrepreneurship to music 
to comedy, right? And that's when I realized, like, it, it genuinely, like, it felt like seeing another world again. Because what you're talking about is, like, when you just consumed American content, because that's where I was, right? I, didn't know, I did not know there were more African podcasts. I didn't know. Because no one was saying, hey, this, there, there's a culture of podcasting in Africa. And if you think about it, Africans told stories way before, like, we are the best content creators. Yeah. We, con- we created content creators. We you know, are content. We are content. <laughs> we, we live it. We exist in it. We should be better at it. Like, being able to create this. So, I, I realized, I just went deeper, deeper into the internet, and I found about 40 of these different, you know, Ethiopian, Tanzanian, Nigerian, Somalian, all these regions. And you, you realize, like, the core thing that puts everyone together on that list specifically is everyone is genuinely, genuinely, genuinely concerned, invested, and understanding that no one else is going to tell the story better than us. Do you think that podcasts are the new emancipation of Africa? Whew. I think digital content is. Hmm. Hmm. Don't rule out uh, a Lucha YouTube page. Yeah, no, no. Like, okay. Don't don't rule out Lucha TV, Lucha magazine, Lucha digital book. content. What I'm saying is like digital content is the frontier that brings Africa into the future. On all platforms. As the future. That's mm. the most important part. You're bringing Africa into the future, but you need to understand and show people that Africa is the future. Mm. So We're having control of how we're board, telling our content. Exactly. Wow. Okay, Mash. Um, As we go and wrap this conversation up, two last questions. The first question is, your role at Yoko has somewhat influenced your role as the founder of Lucha, of Mash Startup, and taking all the individual platforms and putting them as one platform um, that has sub-brands under it. How important is it to have people and have a daily reminder of an ethos, or rather, the influence of being influenced um, to a new mindset in order for you to get to the next level of your business, of being an entrepreneur. Because most of the time, people are hindered by just knowing this or being surrounded by people who know just this much. How important was it that you be at your core and experiencing everything that you're experiencing and change your mindset about how you see entrepreneurship how you see running a business and everything in between. I've tweeted this a bunch of times. Having work experience, having corporate experience, having startup experience, you can't buy that. What it does for you as a person, forget as an entrepreneur, as a person, understanding the frustrations of other people, um, becoming empathetic to how you can better um, be a better person to other people, how you can work with different people, how you can collaborate with people, how to communicate, how to understand, how to empathize, how to view the world, right? It would be difficult for me to count, but I'd say I've interacted with more than a thousand entrepreneurs through Yoko, way more. You know, we've run workshops, we've run meetups, we've run networking, we've run, you know, uh, trainings. It, all that stuff, right? 
I'm learning is from everything. Whether it's me organizing it, whether it's me running it, whether it's me facilitating, all of it is learning. And an entrepreneur, I feel, that is not deeply invested in constantly and consistently learning, whether that's from people or experiences, is someone that will soon fail. I think constantly evolving as a person feeds back into your business because you want a business that constantly evolves. You want a business that constantly adapts. Constantly you want a business that learns from itself, whether it's its failures or success, in order to constantly be building, constantly be growing, constantly be... Because anyone that stands still falls behind. Not even, not even walking back, no. You stand still, you fall behind. That's, that's, that's a law in business. You need to keep if it, if it wasn't a law, it's a law now. <laughs> it's a law now. If you stand still, you fall behind, especially mm. when it comes to learning, especially when it comes to growing. Mm. So having, I can't count the mentors I have, I'd say 10. Mm. Having 10 mentors, having an amazing manager, having uh, good friends that will be honest with you, having a great team that you collaborate with, having uh, friends that you can just text and be like, hey, um, what do you think of this? So building that community. Building a community, just a network of people that you can just, any point when you're struggling with a certain thing, you know who you need to talk to to go, hey, what do you think of this? Mm. If I'm raising money, I know who I want to talk to. If I'm looking for sponsorship from brands, I know who to talk to. If I'm looking to create digital content that I don't really understand, say magazines, I know who I I want to talk to. All All of that is a network of people that I know I can tap into and say, you know what? I don't know enough about this. Teach me. Show me. If you can build me or empower me in this way, I can offer value in that way. And constantly having that back and forth with everyone around you. It doesn't matter who they are. Family, friends, lover, uh, collaborator, content creator. Anything around you needs to either add value or create impact. If it can't, what are we doing? Mm. We're just gonna hang out for what? Yeah. <laughs> and do what? <laughs> and do what? Wow, that is intense. So put us quite this that one then. And then what? Skatimali, skatiskati, nothing came out of it. Hanging out is cool, but there's value I get from it. Mm. Like my best friends, are, you know, they all, some of them work in corporate and. Every time we meet up, there has to, it, it's non-negotiable. Mm. There has to be a conversation that adds value and has an impact either on me or them. Mm. There's something that you are experiencing in corporate that I won't experience in a startup. There's something I'm experiencing in a startup that an entrepreneur who runs a small business won't experience. So it's basically a collaboration of experiences. Constantly just sharing those experiences and learning from each other and constantly just giving and giving and taking, giving and taking, giving and taking, but most importantly, giving. The value that you create for others always comes back, no matter what. Finish the sentence, complete the sentence. If I knew then what I know now, I would have dropped out earlier. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) For real. (laughs) Thank you so much, man, for this interview. It's been amazing. It's been great. It's really nice on the other side. Right? Yeah. I enjoy being interviewed. It depends on who's interviewing you as well. I think you're comfortable. Hey, this is nice. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. <laughs>